the well as you I, I would I would speed up the process by which you're trying out different ones <laughs> so I was thinking more like 10 minutes <laughs> you know so this is not so I'm glad you asked it's not a question of oh well let me try this one on for a few months it's more the sense of okay you know you're stuck you kind of settle back and you just ask the question well what, what's really going on here what is it and then in a way I think it's learning to trust the intuitive space of mind and it's almost like you're free associate in a certain way you just settle back and see what comes to mind by asking the question and let it come more quickly you know like sit with each one as I said for 10 minutes or 20 minutes and that you may go through a run of them you know it's it's not sadness it's it's not unhappiness it's it's not anxiety it's you will know though I, there is that sense of when the mind hits the right one and I don't want to make this an absolute statement but often it's like just there's that moment of recognition oh that's what this is uh, so just try doing it quicker and maybe you do it, you know, on one day and nothing much happens. You try it again and then again. Uh, and in addition to that, I would also use the approach of maybe you are recognizing the most obvious one, but ask the question, oh, well, is there something underneath that? So it may not be the misperception. It may just be something as well. You know, I, know, I mean, it, it's, it's a wonderful exercise because it's so revealing of the richness of our minds and the richness of emotional nuance. You know, and so at one point, and I won't go into the whole story, but I was just in a situation where I was feeling very uncomfortable. I didn't know what. I was really caught in it. And then after a certain point, I realized I was feeling embarrassed. I was just embarrassed. But I didn't, it's like I wasn't getting it. And as soon as I did, oh, that's what it is. This is okay. Yeah. How to distinguish between unhappiness and sadness. Before I respond, I just want to say that I can share with you my perception of it you really need to see for yourself how you would, might delineate it. But for me, sadness has a certain quality of poignancy to it. It's like, I kind of enjoy sadness. You know, it, it's sad, but there's, the, there's kind of a heartfelt, a heartful quality to sadness unhappiness to me is bleaker you know it doesn't have my heart's not engaged 
in unhappiness. It's just... So that's how I feel the difference. Sometimes I have the experience where um, I might be feeling a lot of physical tension and it feels like there's a little sadness poking through, almost like the, the, the image I have in my mind is a plant which is 98% below the surface of the soil and a little bit of green stuff that's shooting through. And, and the way I work with that is, is to rest just in, 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 the, in the physical sensations of the tightness in the stomach and the throat and just feel this. Um, but it's like the gates never open. You know, it's kind of like I'm, I'm waiting for the day where I have like a good cry or something like that. And, um, and it, it doesn't Me too. <laughs> uh, and I, and I guess I wonder, is it just a question of more time is needed? You know, just more practice is needed? Uh, maybe. <laughs> but I, I would have a different take on it. Sometimes uh, the strength of past emotion is stored in the body. It's stored energetically. So as you said, very often a lot of kind of the accumulated energetic pattern of past emotion is coming up and we're feeling it as... uh, you know, as you described, the physical sensations in the body, and maybe even with a slight emotional tinge, but it doesn't mean necessarily that in that moment you're feeling sad. This could well be the release of old stuff that is being released as physical sensation, and that in the moment you're not sad. So I wouldn't have the expectation that the release requires you to cathart. I, I don't think that's how it works. It's not to say that it's not going to happen like that, but I wouldn't overlay that expectation on it because sometimes it's just old stuff being released in the moment uh, on an energetic level and it's not present emotion. So it just, it, it just, it just yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just, just let... More and more, I am viewing meditation. If I had to use one word to describe the meditative process, the word, at least the current word of choice, uh, is unwinding. It just feels like meditation, we're creating the space to allow the unwinding of everything. The unwinding of the physical energetic knots, the unwinding of the emotional stuff we're holding, it's unwinding into space. You could say unwinding. I don't know. I don't know what that word means anything to you, but. So if you're in a kind of emotionally abusive environment that 
Love the kind of nuances of working with all this. Uh, did you hear the? Did you hear it? No. The comment was in terms of using the signal. Oh, this doesn't feel quite right. As a signal for us to look and see what's going on, um, with the implication that oh, if it doesn't feel quite right, it's probably not the right thing to be doing. The comment was that. Sometimes, especially as an example, if we've been in abusive relationships, maybe we've learned unskillful patterns, maybe of withdrawing, you know, of pulling back. And so then when we actually are responding appropriately because it's not our habit, that feels not quite right. You know, and so it's, so that's a really good point. That not quite right about something that actually is right could be the signal and I'm going to be talking more about this in the next little section but I think that's the signal to really look at okay well what's the motivation here you know is the motivation wholesome is it unwholesome you know so something may not feel right but you check out the motivation and you know this is right and that's the bottom line. So it's not, it's not simply whether it feels right or not that should govern whether you do the action. But it can be a signal to really look. You mentioned meditation as unwinding. Sometimes I found, though, that it gives rise to a lot of judging. That is, when I'm on the cushion and I'm continually distracted with what they call monkey mind, there's a judgment that, you know, I can't, I'm not doing this right, um, too distracted, I'm having a bad meditation. Then when I'm off the cushion and I'm angry or impatient or grumpy, I'm not getting it, I'm not a good meditator, uh, I don't, this is not the picture of what a meditator is, I'm not applying it, it doesn't work. So I find that sometimes it can give rise to a lot of judging mm-hmm. and negativity. Yeah, no. Not only sometimes, <laughs> often. And what's happening, could you hear the, about meditation sometimes brings up, seems not, not, not only not unwinding, some, sometimes seems to call up even more judgment or more unskillful things. There are two aspects to this. One is a little bit like my lying story. <laughs> what we want to do is see what's there. And so if part of the pattern of what's arising is the judging mind, you know the famous line from, uh, one great line from uh, Zorba the Greek, one of the characters in it says, self-knowledge is always bad news. (laughs) 
and it is. <laughs> so you're learning this about yourself. You're learning about the judging mind and that the mind is doing this. So the seeing of that, it's much better to see it than not to see it. Then the second question is, okay, well, how do I work with it now that I've seen it? You know, instead of just being lost in it again and again, there is one surefire, easy way of working with judging. And this is, the judging mind is really common. And this is, this is like a hundred percent guaranteed result. (laughs) Spend a day counting the judgments. So every time the mind judges, whatever, you're judging yourself, you're judging other people, judging one, judging two, judging 798, (laughs) judging 5032, see how high you can get. So that, I mean this literally, this is not, I mean, for those of you really who judge a lot, because what will happen at a certain point is exactly what happened in the room you will start to smile at them. You, you will just see how completely ridiculous they are. And you'll see that it's just the pattern of the mind. That's all. It's just the mind churning out these rather ridiculous thoughts. As soon as you can smile at them, they've lost all their power. The only thing that makes judgment a problem, or well, the two things that make judgment a problem, one is believing them, and the other is condemning them. If you're neither believing them nor condemning them, the fact that they arise is not a problem. It's just another thought passing through them. And that person's a jerk. (laughs) It's It's just a passing thought. There's a phrase in Tibetan, in Tibetan tradition, it says, to notice how thoughts self liberate. It's a wonderful phrase. If you're not believing it, you're not condemning it, it self-liberates. This is not hard to do. I mean, it's just remembering to do it. So you've just saved yourself 80 years of being lost in judgment. (laughs) And and it'd be interesting to see how high you get, what the number is. question was about, you know, sometimes in periods of life, there seems to be a kind of overarching or theme 
emotional theme. Uh, and that kind of theme still stays there, even though the nuances may change. Uh, and how often sometimes emotions, not sometimes, very often, they're really, as was expressed, tied to or uh, conditioned by actual events in one's life, not only, not only one's own thoughts or, or body feelings. Uh, so how to work with that. Um, well, in, in addition to the two areas I talked about, which is the recognition and the acceptance, the next two <laughs> are going to uh, address that question somewhat. Uh, I would just say, before going in specifically to some of the things, I would question the belief that even as a general feeling, that it's always there. Uh, and my experience and my guess for you would be that really if you're tracking very closely your experience, in a very exact way, in a, in a really meditative way, my guess would be that you will experience many times when that feeling is not there. Then it may come up again, you know, and then it's not there. Just changing that view, if it's true for you, after you, after you examine it, I think you'll find loosens the whole experience. So often it's our mistaken view of not only what the emotion may be, but how it's manifesting that can lock us in. You know, it's like, oh, I always feel sad or I always feel depressed or I always feel this way or that way. I don't think that's true. Okay, so doesn't, doesn't the very term defilement or afflictive emotion catch us or keep us bound in that loop of judgment and it's coming. <laughs> Just, uh, but as a, as a preview of, of the coming attraction, there is, and again, we, we need to be careful how we use language and just so we're clear about the terms we're using. For me, judgment and discernment are two different things. So one could, for example, and this is what I'm going to go into a little more, one could see that something is unwholesome as opposed to wholesome and there'd be no judgment in the mind about it. It's not, and that's, that's what I'm going to go into. But in English, often these words overlap and then that gets confusing. You know? So 
I like the word discernment to imply, yeah, we can see differences. Not everything is the same. Different emotions, different everything, have different qualities. You know, and we want to discern those differences. Involuntarily, yeah. And, um, and yet, you know, I'm not you're on the verge of a great enlightenment. We're not in control. (laughs) And the more we surrender, and I'll go into this a little more, surrender into the process with discernment. It's not surrendering blindly. Uh, I mean, what you described just was perfect. And... It's actually an example I sometimes use, of, of, which is an interesting exercise here, is to notice how conditioned emotions are. You know, they're conditioned by a whole range of things, not the least of which are thoughts. You know, a thought will arise in the mind and just a particular thought will trigger a whole emotional response. Well, to see that, to see the non personal nature of emotion is hugely liberating and um, I want to get to that because that's really in one sense the essence of the free mind of not personalizing not identifying with them you know and what you described is a perfect insight into that question was how how can one work with an emotion that's really painful how can one accept it without the bargaining without oh I'll accept it if you'll go away well one thing you'll find and probably have found found is that the bargaining doesn't work uh, because it, because it's not really acceptance so you could bargain from now till whenever and you'll probably still find yourself caught in the loop of of whatever it is. One, and I kind of alluded to it briefly, it's okay really is a magic mantra. So when you're feeling that emotion, it's almost like you become a Dharma coach for yourself. You know, just at that time, as a reminder, it's okay. It's okay, let me feel it. And then you just take a moment, just dropping back into it. 
and then again there's the bargaining or the judging. No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. Just let me be with it. Let me feel it. It's okay. So you coach yourself into that place of acceptance, even if it's just for a few moments at first. But once you have even a few moments of clear acceptance, once you recognize what that space is, you have much easier access to it. Yeah, yeah, okay, so the, the comment was that even the drive to say it's okay is driven by the desire to release the feeling. This is a whole big question in meditation, and this could be another day, but I'll just... There is a difference between expectation and aspiration. It's fine to have goals in practice. But goal, especially in modern, Western, spiritual scenes, goal has gotten a bad name. It's bad press. And I feel that's a huge mistake. The Buddha talked about goal. You know, there's a path and the path is leading someplace and it's leading to the end of suffering. So that is our aspiration. We can hold that. We can understand, yeah, that's why... Otherwise, why would you come here? You know, you, you, could, you could be having a nice afternoon someplace. Because you had some goal, you had some aspiration, and extend that to one's practice. That's very different than the expecting mind. Okay, I'm going to do this, and this is what's supposed to happen. It's a different mindset. So you want to see that difference. Right. So all the skillful means that we employ... Yeah, they're in the service of a goal. That's very different than I want this, you know, want experience to unfold in just this way. Okay, why? How are you doing? Okay, maybe another question or two, and then we can take a break, and then I'll get into wrap wrap two. I didn't understand the part about the loose relationship to good emotions. Well, in other words, since the opening quote, you know, we, we struggle when we grasp and try to hold on to the good feelings as much as when we have a version of that. Right? So I'm just wondering, um, since I think a lot of my suffering comes from grasping after the good feelings, how that fits in. That's really easy. Did you hear the, the, the question was about her problem of being of the greedy side rather than the aversive one, that the real problem is more grasping at the good emotions rather than kind of suffering through the afflictive ones. You ready? <laughs> Don't grasp. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the pleasant emotions or the enjoyment of them that's the problem. 
it's as you recognize, it's the holding on. Okay, so then, of course, the question is, well, how not to grasp if that's what the pattern is? I mean, you could, you could say that the whole spiritual journey is about learning not to grasp. One key element of that is refining your perception of the changing nature of things. You know, because when you see more and more clearly, it's just all a passing show. You see the futility of grasping, and you see the suffering of grasping. You have to... Leave that example. Uh, so with, with the pleasant emotion, what I would do is really notice both just the, the basic experience of it, notice when it changes. Right? And at, the, at that time, see if you can distinguish those times when you're, no, I don't want it to change, and those times when, oh, it's changing. Now it's something else. The more you see that right in that moment of transition, the easier it'll be. Oh, yeah, it's okay. Change is just how things are. Uh, So the refinement of the perception of change is what allows us to let go more easily. I think this is a good... (laughs) Why don't we take a little break? Take like 10 minutes or so. Uh, if some of you have particular questions, you could come up, and then I'll just continue a bit. I'll ring the bell in ten minutes. Oh, wrong. Never mind. No, I, I, I was actually at a, at a conference at Gethsemane, but this was way after he died. So do you have any afflictive emotions in the break? Recognizing them, accepting them. (laughs) Why don't we just sit for like five minutes or so? Just settle into your body, connecting with the breath again. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.